Okay, I think we're ready to go. Thanks for joining uh, today's webinar, Motion Amplification and its Rapid Evolution for the Reliability and Maintenance Professional. Today's webinar is being presented by Jeff Hay from RDI Technologies. Uh, before I introduce our speaker formally, I wanna cover a few housekeeping topics. Today's webinar is being recorded. We can share a link with you after the event is complete. We also welcome your comments and questions. Please look at the Q&A chat box there on your screen. If you think of a question, just type it in there and I will either pose it to the speaker at that time or hold it for the discussion portion at the end of the event. As I said, today's presenter is Jeff Hay. He's CEO of RDI Technologies and his background is in applied optical physics. Before founding RDI, Jeff was a research scientist at the University of Louisville. Since starting RDI, he has created and patented multiple methods for using camera technology to measure and visualize motion that is integral to RDI's products. And that's also the subject of today's webinar. So I'm gonna hand the floor over to you, Jeff, and you can start the presentation. Thanks, Eric. Um, as, as was mentioned, um, today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, motion amplification and specifically how it's being integrated and, and sort of evolving as a tool for reliability professionals. Um, so as, as mentioned, my name is uh, Jeff Hay. I'm the uh, CEO of RDI Technologies. So just a little bit, um, you know, about, um, about myself. Um, um, you know, I have interest in photography and, um, and, you know, vibration background as well. So, you know, so the motion amplification and leveraging cameras in the, in the vibration space is, is, is actually not as, um, uh, you know, kind of comes together in, in, in all, in, in my background, believe it or not, even though they don't seem like they're, they're connected. Um, but I, I actually started as a, um, as an astronomer. I mean, that's what, um, I had um, planned to do um, in the onset of, of this, um, and you know when I started sort of my academic career. Um, it's interesting because I was just talking, chatting with Eric before we started, and you know he he did astronomy in, at the university as well. So you know it, it, I wanted to say it's not very common, but it, you know it's kind of um, it, to, to run into to astronomers. But actually, there's two two kind of on the on the call here. But um, and but you know. It's interesting with astronomy, um, you know, if, you, if you've ever heard me talk about this before, you know, I, I, I like to say that these things are not as, um, as different as you think. Um, you know, astronomers use cameras all the time to measure things that are far away. Um, and, and they use the camera and that's all they can use to be able to, you know, kind of explore, investigate objects that are at a distance, you know, uh, whether that be the, um, you know, the, the color of the star or the way that it's oscillating or, you know, the way that it rotates. Um, and it, the same is true for with motion amplification. Um, we use a camera to be able to understand, you know, an object that's at a distance. In one case, the object might be thousands of light years away. Um, and then in another case, it might be a motor and a pump that's on a factory floor. But in both cases, we're used to using the camera really to understand how the object is moving, behaving and properties of it. So um, that's kind of, you know, how I got I, I got into this. Um, and then as I started using cameras more and more for 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 things in research um, and, and, you know, applied applied physics, um, we started looking at, you know, things like motors and pumps and um, with uh, uh, with funding, we we worked with the Air Force and the uh, Homeland Security to look at bridges and things like that. And so, 
Um, so we started kind of de developing these tools for looking at things that are moving and, and vibrating. And, and so I left the university to start RDI, um, really to get these, um, to get these, uh, you know, technologies into people's hands. You know, that's, that's sometimes that's often the only way uh, that these things happen. Lots of good ideas at the university, but it really takes someone kind of, uh, kind of leaving there to, to, to get it out the, uh, to get it out the door. Um, so let's talk about it. So, you know, the ever-growing applications of cameras. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about the case for, you know, the 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 camera for, for making measurements. So, you know, there's a lot you can do with a the camera. They're, they're becoming more and more powerful and they're doing more and more things. I mean, you know, like, for example, we discover galaxies with them. The, the image that you see here on the right-hand side is the Hubble, Hubble Deep Field. So this was pointed at a, a point in space. Um, with the Hubble Space Telescope uh, to a what seemed like a, um, a a bare patch of sky, much like when you take a motion amplification camera and you point it at something that doesn't look like it's moving, right? And you, if you leave the camera there long enough with this with this Hubble telescope, all of a sudden all these galaxies start popping up. And so what's what 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 appeared to be an empty place in sky turned out with the use of a camera you can detect these galaxies. I mean, we we use cars now to autopilot car cars or we use uh, cameras to autopilot cars you know and and part of that is the, you know using the ai now that we have built in there to distinguish the difference between is that a is that a bag floating you know on the on the road or is that a, an animal you know which is an important thing to distinguish um you know I, right now if i will prop my phone if i open my phone and went to my uh, doorbell app i could see who's at my door delivering packages um, they control traffic cameras and even send me send me bills. So um, if I cross a bridge in my hometown, um, it takes a picture of a license plate um, and sends me a bill automatically. And and now you know we're starting to use cameras for vibration and machinery monitoring. So let's talk a little bit about how that happens. Um, so you know we've got you know vibration in terms of the 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 tools that we use. You know there's a handful of the major tools: um, vibration, um, ultrasound. Um, thermography um, might be familiar with some some of these tools. Um, oil analysis, motor circuit analysis. You know, and and I, I'm making the argument that motion amplification now is sort of there with these tools as a new tool that's not replacing other tools, but is just another tool in the reliability toolbox. Okay, so let's 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 talk about motion amplification now and the case for the camera. Um, within the reliability space. So what is motion amplification? Um, I always like to talk about this on the onset because inevitably there's people that are new to this and um, and and I want to make sure that they, you know, everybody gets a kind of a little bit of a crash course in the technology to set the stage for what we're going to talk about later. Um, so this is a, uh, that's a car um, engine, right? And if you've ever popped the hood and had the car running, you know you can't see the car engine vibrate right it's not like this car is engine is you know the motor mount is damaged or anything you you can't see this car engine run but what motion amplification does is takes a camera and it turns every pixel into a displacement sensor that you can measure the displacement and frequency as well as extract it out and and make that um amplitude you know make the the vibration amplitude larger and more exaggerated in the video so that you can see it so basically that's all real motion and that's really happening it's not um interpolated or it's not a um sort of a um like cgi or anything it truly is the vibration that is originating from the video 
and now we can visualize it. And once you can visualize it, um, it's pretty interesting what you can do with it in terms of the the um, tr the troubleshooting and 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 implement implementation in a reliability program. So here's maybe some household items. You know, I, I like showing these things because really what what the story here is is that you know these are everyday items that we know. Uh, we can't see move. You know, if you've ever just taken a, a wine glass and just maybe in this case, I took a spoon and I just dinged it, right? But that's at 786 hertz. So you can hear that sound. You just can't see it, right? And that the, the, the sound that you hear when you hear that ringing, that this is what's producing that sound, that, that motion from that wine glass. But maybe more applicable to the um, reliability space is something like this, where I'm going to start this video and you'll see the standard footage um, and then the motion amplification footage. So here we go into the motion amplification footage, right? So you can see the fall. You can see the foot lifting up off the ground. And, and what, what, you know, what's nice about this is that, um, you know, if, if we were to sort of prior to motion amplification take state of the art, it would be walking up and putting a contact sensor on that and really trying to deduce, you know, everything um, from the motion, from that one data point. Whereas with the camera, um, you can simply look at, you can simply look at, I'll, I'll play that again, you can simply look at the video and see the fault. And that's not to say that we're replacing the vibration sensors, we're not. And maybe that has a, con maybe that's on a route and, and the alarm level um, got so high that um, it might indicate you need to figure out what the fault is, but the camera makes it short order to be able to investigate and determine the root cause, which is looseness. And you can measure anywhere in the video too, as you can see, but I'll do a demonstration that kind of goes more in depth into that. Um, so we're really measuring things not visible by the human eye, um, and we're using these visualizations to be able to, to see faults, right? So over on that right-hand side, you see a, you see a spectrum, Right. And you see, you know, those peaks and those those peaks might have some meaning to to someone who's trained in vibration or maybe they are, um, you know, telling you that it could be one of five or six different things. But maybe one peak relative to the other, you know, is telling you telling you something or or one peak is a certain level. But if you were to take that to a non-technical person. You know, you might have to communicate the issue to them. And it's a, it's a not an easy task to say, you know, because the vibration of this peak relative to this other peak is, is so high, um, it's misalignment. And, but if you could show them a video with one side moving up while the other side's moving down and say, hey, um, this is a problem, then that's a lot easier um, to, to have that communication with them. And so also in terms of data collection, you know, if you think of a camera as having, you know, a million pixels, that's a megapixel camera. That's that's really not even that high resolution by today's standards. But if you think about a pixel being a sensor, displacement sensor, a million pixels is quite a few. So, you know, with a camera, you know, one, 10, 100, 100,000, a million, you can scale up data collection and do what we call full field vibration and, and collect data across the entire scene um, easily um, with, with a camera without really adding cost because, you know, you, you add you know, multiple pixels, you know, it's all built into the camera. So here's kind of the story where, you know, you're, you're measuring a vibration point 
and you see vibration there, but everything that you have to determine about that one location comes from that spectrum or that, that time waveform, or maybe you get two time waveforms. But now you're kind of, you know, in some ways you're still in the dark, even with this much information, you're determining something about an asset with only limited, you know, vibration points. Whereas if you could see the entire picture here, you would see that this is what's going on with your, with your asset. And so all those points you can imagine as, as being a vibration sensors from the pixels that, that you're measuring. And that's the idea that you might not be seeing the entire picture. Um, you know, we measure displacement. You can do it live um, hundreds of times, see, see um, um, amplify hundreds of times and see down to 0 0.01 mils or less than a micron of displacement. So that's some of the, the technical details um, for those who are, are sort of sort of interested in just understanding those. But in, in terms of the benefits, really, um, you measure these large fields of view and it's complementary. But the communication is really important. I, I, I mentioned that earlier, but um, I just want to hit that again um, before we get into more case studies and a, and a demonstration. Um, you know, I, you, I think of motion amplification as being equal parts data analysis to, um, to, uh, to communication. Because it, it, you could have all the great data in the world, but if you can't get action taken on fixing an asset, it doesn't matter if you have the data in the first place. So that's that's the I idea um, behind the communication. You know, some improved access and, and safety, um, and then also things like piping for you know increasing the diversity of the applications you can do with it, structures. Um, so, you know, but but this last one, actionable information, kind of goes back to that communication piece that I said, where, you know, really about getting actionable information. You know, I, I think things, unless you're going to take action on some with some data, the data doesn't have any valuable value. So I think actionable data is is the most important data um, that we can have. Okay, so that's that's a little bit about what 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 it looks like since we're on a webinar. You can't do the whole, you know, feel it, touch it. Um, see it. Um, you can you can see it on the screen. Um, but um, that's kind of what a camera looks like. Um, a high you can put high speed camera just to be able to go at higher frame frame rates, which is your sample rate to be able to see faster, free, more higher frequencies or faster moving objects. And of course, you can do continuous monitoring with it too. I'll mention that briefly um, uh, later. But you can do 24/7 kind of continuous monitoring with this, and and trigger off of the camera or or some input devices. Okay, so let me do a demonstration. I like doing a demonstration um, in in webinars, and um, and I want to um, do that uh, here. So let me. Um, let's see, it looks like I looks like that. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to bring up some data sets um, to be able to do this demonstration of, and I'll do it live. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the technology um, here in, in general. So let me uh, let me bring up this data this data set and show you kind of how how this works and how 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 the technology has you know sort of evolved. And because it started out you know as just being motion amplification, but it's a lot more than that. And that's you know that's part of what I wanted to, to talk about. So so if we watch this video and we play it back. You probably don't see any motion, right? You can see that I've drawn three little boxes here and we'll get to that. But really, if you wanted to ramp up the amplification, you can just do it with a slider. And you do that, um, and then now you can see the motion. Probably don't even have to do that much. So you can see um, that there are uh, uh, motion here, this screen, 
um, you know, this screen and then this pump motion. So uh, let me let me show you. I'm going to delete all of these, uh, and I'm going to make the I'm going to make these measurements again. So I'm drawing what you call an ROI, a region of interest, and that creates a time waveform and a frequency spectrum. So let's see here. I think my spectrum is hidden. There we go. So that produces a. Um, Let's see if I can move this panel. Okay, there we go. The the go to webinar panel was was over the tab there. Oh, and you can see I can produce a frequency spectrum there. Um, then I can um, uh, let's hide that. And then um, I'm going to draw another box here, so I can measure anywhere. These are all calibrated units of displacement. And then I'm going to measure here. And we're just making actually getting time waveforms. So you get both a, a vertical and an um, uh, a vertical up and down and right and left horizontal measurement. Um, and so one thing I'll note is these are two different frequencies. Those screens are moving at two different frequencies. And, and so is that third box here. This um, th this is moving at a, uh, a different frequency here, right? And so um, the video that I'm showing, you know, um, shows all the frequencies, but there are unique frequencies in in that. So you can do something with the the tech the the technology called filtering. So if I wanted to pick um, one of these frequencies here, um, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to add a filter, and I'm just going to say, hey, I want to see, you know, this this one peak here filter just for that, right? So I'm gonna do that. So so sometimes faults manifest at individual frequencies, right? They, they manifest at um, particular frequencies. So you might wanna image just one frequency. So I went through and picked out one frequency. Um, the, that plot showed me um, the, the, the spectrum um, for, for that motion and um, at that location. And now if I amplify this recording, you can see the, the screens aren't moving anymore because I've, I've filtered only for the frequency on this pump. And you can actually see where all the vibration is occurring. We can even amplify even more. So we'll go big here. And you can see that you can see that pipe move. So you can see all the damage or you know the motion that's occurring that could create damage from this um, from from this from this uh, pump, right? Just notice the screens are totally frozen. Now, now I want to talk about some of the things that we've progressed the technology with, because that's part of the the, the the talk here is the the evolution of this technology. And so, um, hey Jeff, you know, would you mind if we yes. jump in with just one quick question before we move on? Absolutely. That was really yeah, bad. absolutely. Uh, someone asked, how does the distance affect the accuracy of the frequency? Yeah, good question. Um, so the distance doesn't affect the accuracy of the frequencies. Um, at all. What the frequency, what the um, distance will affect is the lowest amount of um, the lowest amount of uh, vibration that you can see. So we sort of spec that at one meter away with a specific 50 millimeter lens, you can see down to 0 0.01 mils or 0.25 microns. If you move to two meters away, you can see down to 0 0.02 mils or 0 .0, um, uh, 0.5 microns. And so you can kind of imagine it, that's how the distance will affect it by, by, by the amount of smallest displacement you can see. Um, but it doesn't have an effect on the frequency. So the frequency accuracy will, will stay the same 
um, throughout different distances? Good question. Okay, so so um, and yeah, and I encourage you keep keep asking questions, put them in the Q and A. You know, definitely would like to hear hear more questions. You know, as they come come up, because that's what really what I'm here for. Um, so the um, so one thing I want to show is this something called motion math. And so you know, as we start to talk about this idea of full field vibration, um, what I wanted to show is some of the capability that the, the technologies evolved with um, to be able to do more of that you know, and to give more comprehensive look at your assets. So I'm going to turn on something, this motion map layer. So most people are used to seeing a thermal image, right? Um, where blue is less, um, lower temperature, red is higher temperature. Well, in this case, we're going to do that except for motion. Um, so blue is less motion, red is more motion. But I'm going to add one more sort of little thing into that, okay? Um, um, to that, which is frequency. We can show frequency-based motion in an image. So I'm going to now highlight this one peak, and I'm going to lower the threshold here and show you that now, if you remember, that screen was moving at one frequency. This screen was moving at another one, the one on the left, and the pump was moving at a different frequency. I'm showing you now, I'm highlighting, this is a composite spectrum. It's showing all the vibration in the whole scene. And you can see that we're isolating 15.63 hertz. The, the, the technology can go through and analyze the whole scene and show you where vibrations are higher at individual frequencies. And so if, uh, let's take a look at this. You notice that the railing here is, you know, got some greens in it, you know, maybe a little bit of red here and there, right? What happens if I move over to this peak? Well, this screen highlights right? Because it's moving at that frequency. But also notice what happens with this railing. Notice how this red travels all the way through this railing. And there's actually more intensity on this railing over here on the right-hand side with the screen that's further away, which seems counterintuitive. But you can quickly assess how different frequencies and, and vibration amplitudes are, are making their way through the scene. And you can see that this screen is actually inducing more at this frequency, seems to be inducing more vibration on this railing than the one that's even closer to it. Um, that could happen for a variety of reasons. It could be happen um, because um, of a, uh, it's coupled to that, you know, to that screen through, a, you know, a transmission path, or it could be that it, this just prefer, this, this area of the railing prefers that mode of vibration. But, all that to say that, you know, think about this being on a, you know, a, a, a floor of, of, with motors and pumps on the out in the, in the factory or, or your facility. And, you know, nearby pumps can induce vibrations or nearby motors can induce vibrations on uh, neighboring, um, neighboring um, uh, machinery. So being able to do root cause and then, you know, and track down where these vibration paths are coming from and, you know, what's what's causing what to vibrate. And then, of course, if we show the we show the um, pump here, um, we can see all that red, which is where that was vibrating when we filtered it. Right. So we can measure and then we can do this motion map. So this is frequency and amplitude. But another important part of um, another important part of vibration is phase. So let's talk about phase. So phase is, you know, kind of like when things move together, they're in phase. When they move opposite of each other, they're out of phase. Let me show you um, what's happening here. 
So you can see, if I slow this down a little bit, you can see that these motors are sort of rocking opposite of each other. Now, one thing that we've added that, that you know, that's been added to the technology that I think most people find useful is this ability to put these vectors on to be able to show what direction things are moving. So, um, so if you can see that they're moving opposite of each other, right? If I just advance this, those, ve those vectors or arrows are moving opposite one another. Those are out of phase. Those two motors are rocking out of phase. One is going one way while the other goes the opposite way, right? But we can visualize that across the entire scene by applying, instead of a motion map, we apply a phase map. So let's apply a phase map and let's pick a frequency. And you can see this color wheel here, right? You can see a color wheel here. And so think of this as zero to 360 phase. And you can think anything opposite zero and then 180, right? Opposite colors are gonna be out of phase or 180. And you can see here that these are actually different color and they're opposite on the color wheel, telling you that they're out of phase. So this is a really easy way to go through and see what's in phase. You have misalignment. One side's going up while the other goes down. They're out of phase. It shows up on the phase map as being two different colors. Very easy to discern, right? And so let's show a couple other examples of that. Um, hey, Jeff, here. before yeah. we move on, uh, there was a couple questions that I just wanted to throw out there. If you've sure. got a second here. Uh, with the previous slide, before we move to uh, this most recent one, so maybe two slides back now, um, Someone asked, what were the fixes that were implemented for that example? Did they fix the movement of the buildings? Oh, okay. So let's go back and let's see. Um, Might have been, was uh, this one? Uh, no, I think it was okay. the one, maybe two or three more forward. Keep uh, going there. This keep going. Oh, maybe it was in the demonstration. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that this one was, I, I'd have to go back and check um, on that one. I'm not 100% sure about, uh, maybe it was, um, it was on this. Um, yeah, the one that you were just showing there. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. You know, one thing I will say about, um, about going in uh, before fixes, everybody likes to take um, videos, uh, motion amplification videos of things that are broken, but they don't necessarily like to take the videos always when they're fixed. The thing goes with vibration, right? It's far less interesting. So we don't, you know, not always get the after, but there, I will share some examples in some later slides that show the fixes and things. And I will talk through what was done on the repairs. Great. Can I just throw in one more here before we move on? Absolutely, uh, yeah. Neil asked, can we directly identify the source of the vibration or do we need to do screening and analysis? Yeah, so often you can find the source of the vibration. Like in in this example, um, you know, you know, th th this piping vibration is source is coming from the pump. Often you can connect it through the frequency, you know, it having the same frequency and being able to track it down. And that's also some of the beauty of the motion amplification technology is that you know if you're using a contact sensor, you get a waveform at a location. But often in the video, you can see the source, you can see where the, the vibrations are occurring and because you get such a big field of view. And so often you can see, see, oh, wow, I didn't know that was vibrating and that was actually inducing that or causing it. Like, for example, you see a motor rocking, right? 
and, but you don't realize that the floor is rocking too and it's the looseness in the structure underneath. So yes, often you can see the source. And it's one of the benefits. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, no problem. Thanks, I appreciate the questions. Um, so here's another example on the phase map. Just to kind of show that across the coupling, you know, that that different phase or 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 maybe they're in phase here, you know, uh, but but you know, across the, the the coupling or this coupling guard or is 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 out of phase. But um, just to kind of show there's another example, you know, again, you know, pretty complex view, um, full field, but you can just easily show these uh, vibration. Um, and then let me show this one. I like this one because it's very classic um example of um of a, of a bending mode right so um let me actually let me go back and show you on this filtered one what it looks like uh at this frequency i think it's around seven hertz i want to demonstrate what it looks like when it's vibrating so this is a very classic example i even put some vectors on so you can see um the vibration right um let me snag let me snag this one too. And you can see that, you know, this is the classic twisting mode, right? Um, this section is out of phase with this section. So neighboring sections on the same side are out of phase. And then opposite sides on the same section are out of phase. You can even see kind of how, you know, how detailed you can get in there on these, on these measurements, right? And so this is out of phase, right? And, and you know, one thing I'll just say on this, to be able to do this with contact sensors would take you a long time. To be able to do this level of a study, this takes, you know, uh, this video is 10 seconds, 10 minutes to set up, and you've got this video to be able to understand that. I can get measurements on all those locations. Let me show you what the phase map looks like on that. So to be able to go through and, and isolate bending modes and, and, and you know, sort of nodes, anti-nodes, you can put the phase map on here and we'll pick the frequency we were just looking at. And then you can see um, reddish orange and then bluish green, right? They're out of, they're 180 degrees out of phase. You can see the reddish orange on that side too, right? 180 degrees out of phase. And you can even see where the shift is. It goes from, you know, one color to the other, so you can see where the the phase change occurs in the um, in this in this structure. So, just wanted to demonstrate, you know, this amplitude and phase concept because that's something relative. It's newer with the technology, and it's a it's a pretty powerful um, analysis technique um, to be able to um, uh, to go through and and use. Uh, um, okay, so let me talk a little bit. Let me go through some some case studies, and then we'll talk about some more. Again, some of the newer the newer stuff um, to um, uh, that that's been developed with with the technology. So I want to just kind of briefly go over some of these foundational elements for integration with the reliability um, and how people are using it. And some we'll do some before um, and after with some fixes in there. So. Some of the ways, you know, that, that we recommend using the technology is, you know, of course, on bad actors, the complex assets. Um, earlier in, the, in the, the life cycle of an asset in your facility, 
like on the commissioning side, if you're an OEM and you're building the equipment, certainly on the design side, don't even introduce the fault in the first place. And if you're a facility, don't introduce it into your facility and by using the camera and commissioning. I'll show how that works. And then complementary to route base, again, you know, we're indicating that this isn't necessarily a replacement tool. Um, so I want to show how this is complementary to route base. New types of assets like piping, um, you know, more coverage in your facility. Um, scanning your facility and then finally continuous monitoring so we'll show just a couple examples of, of each of these um so let's talk about bad actors and and and, and complex assets um so i just want to show this case study and this this is i can tell you what the repair is on this um but this is a, a power generation facility in in australia um agl loyang they were uh, this was the one that was having the brownouts a few years ago that i think tesla put went in and worked with them to create some batteries and, and some things to help with that. But that was in the news too. So um, $120,000 US dollars um, in repairs over 11 years, uh, 500 man hours that, uh, you know, I've got a, I got, I literally have a spreadsheet that documents all this. It's interesting. And um, the problem still existed and they were even going to do one more repair on this. Then it turns out once we found what the problem was, we realized it wouldn't that wouldn't have fixed the issue. But they did put that repair on hold until we did the study with motion amplification. We found the root cause in less than an hour. So here it is. Um, there's the motor stator that we're talking about on the left, the bad actor. You can kind of see it's moving. Um, the the duty pump is the one that they use all the time. Um, the, the the bad actor is a standby. The duty pumps on the right, you can see that it that is actually not moving as much. It's it's better behaved than than this one, right? And you can see where they they've reinforced things, you know, a lot. Check maybe going after the high vibration levels, but but not actually fixing um, the the root cause issue. So you know, scanning the asset, um, we quickly see that, and and so they I've got a whole series of videos on this that showed the different angles, but this is the one that they realized they saw the, the, the base foundation, the skid plate and uh, the, uh, the, the, the base um, moving a lot. And um, they were measuring this and found out that, that, that this was moving a lot more, um, you know, so that it was, it was flexing there. And so what they did here, you can see where they measured, there's a little red box there and a blue box. They found a very a big a differential between those measurements two mils to 0.4 mils. Um, there's, you know, relative motion between the motor and the pump, you know, frame and the skid plate, the base there. And so it wasn't sufficient enough. And so what they did is they went through and, and put a series of fillet welds interior to this. Um, you couldn't, you can't see where that those would go, but inside of there, they put those welds in to stiffen that up and, and make it more substantial to fix it. That moved the vibration levels down from 0.55 to 0.15. That's even before it was realigned. And um, because here, again, we're hitting the root cause to identify it. It was just overlooked, you know, and they didn't they didn't think to look at that. But with the camera, it could clearly see it. And it turns out now that is the duty pump. Um, the, the, the pump that was the bad actor is now the duty pump because it behaves better then what was the duty pump? So they reversed roles because they were able to get this in line so much. And so again, that simple that simple fix, but it's really identifying the location. You know, hindsight's 2020. You know, it, it, you know once you see it, but 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 being able to know to go there is 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 really the the, the battle. Um, so higher on the 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 DIPF curve. So 
the you know potential failure and failure you know the pf curve kind of tells you where um where on the sorry jumped ahead there where on this you know there's a pf curve for those that are not familiar with it that kind of just says you know the earlier you can you can detect a, a failure in your life cycle of your asset the more value it has and 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 the more functionality that um that you have um with the asset because the functionality starts to get to, to go down until you hit functional failure when it's not working as you know designed you know and that might it's might still be running um but it's not producing the functionality that it was designed to be able to produce and so you know anytime you can move higher on this curve in other words find the fault earlier um is better and so this idea of adding the design and installation to that meaning that if you don't design the if you design the asset without the fault or you catch it at installation that's even higher than catching it during operation and that's the idea and so in this case this was a um this was gold corp in um in mexico they use the camera for commissioning right so um during the installation and then ultimately the commissioning and so they caught this and the, the way that they caught this and the way that they leveraged it is they tied the camera to acceptance criteria so in addition to troubleshooting for root cause we always encourage people to use the camera for whenever you do a new installation um, and 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 make sure you look at it before the installer has left and in this case they leverage the communication factor with the video as well by sharing this video with the OEM and, and them recognizing, yes, there was a problem because originally they weren't going to do anything about this because they did not see the problem. And so this was signed off on by the installer and the OEM, but caught by the, uh, caught by the end user. Here's the backside. They also caught an SO2 um, pipe with SO2, S500 degrees Celsius SO2 gas um, that would have fractured as well with the camera. And um, and they were able to uh, fix that. They thought they they are convinced it would have been a fatiguing issue, could have been fatal it, without catching it. So here's the repair, here's the aftershot. You can see the pump is now not moving. You can see the little light up there, still vibrating just to kind of convince yourself this is actually a video. Um, uh, but the pump now is, is in much better shape. Or sorry, not the pump. The 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 uh, the tank is in much better shape. Sorry, just used to too many pump videos. Okay, so let's talk about complementary to route-based methods. So, in a lot of facilities, you might, on a regular monthly basis, walk around and collect data, and and you might have you know an alarm go off to where um, that the the alarm you know tells you that there's an alert on a on a motor or pump or an asset that the vibration levels have gotten high enough uh, to where you might want to investigate um what's going on right and so this is a this is a, a, a motor pump has a history of a high two times vibration right so two high history of two times vibration um and you know it was intermittent but you saw the levels there over the history um i'll, I'll back up just to say here it hit, hit one fault level and then a second fault level so now we'll go back and then we'll look so you know if you see a high two times you know the, the the you know i don't know if it's a golden rule but it is a a definite rule to go to misalignment right that must be misalignment high two times well they checked the alignment and this was 
the alignment on this asset was fine. So, so again, what we've done here is um, we've 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 integrated this with route base because an alarm went off on the normal monthly route that said there's a high vibration level. But now we've got to troubleshoot it, and the and the the go-to of alignment didn't didn't fix it, right? So a lot of people will just go straight to the camera, cut to the chase, and and they put the camera underneath and they count of the of the motor and they saw this. This wouldn't have been caught on a vibration route. This nobody's measuring this with analyzers, you know, especially if it's concrete. But you can see the lifting there. And again, the camera makes this fairly easy and and pretty quick to be able to um, to be able to um, diagnose this and find it, right? So again, um, having the camera um, with a route and and going straight to the um, the camera to be able to diagnose because you know a high one times vibration could be 20 different things. I mean you know, looseness, um, uh, maybe balance and, and um, soft foot, those kind of things are, are more typical, but not guaranteed. And so now we can come up with a recommendation. Okay, let's talk about new types of assets with a lack of coverage, right? So um, here we talk about pumping, or, or sorry, uh, piping. Um, and and uh, the, I think every asset's a pump. Uh, for some reason, the um, the um, so here we've got piping and um, and we're running through these different different scenarios. But one, let's just talk about how complex this field is, right? The the regular videos on the left, the motion amplifications on the right. You know, even trying to get a handle on this measuring this field of view on its own would be challenging. Let alone running through all these different scenarios, right? But with the camera, you can just measure, you know, take a video, you get everything captured and you can show this very complex field and do it multiple times in all these different scenarios um, to be able to show, you know, what things are doing um, while different motors and pumps and are interacting with each other. And that's what they were doing here to try to get this vibration, um, um, these vibration levels down. Okay, let's talk about broadening the, the coverage. Um, so there's a lot of assets in facilities that that um, uh, that don't get looked at with advanced analysis because you don't have the time to do it. You know, half a day to do advanced analysis or a day, um, this asset's not going to cut it. You know, it's not going to cut that meet that level of criticality. But if you could change that to 30 minutes or even 15 minutes, you know, um, in this case, 30 minutes, we looked at it. Well, there's a lot more assets you can look at. There's a lot more assets you would be willing to spend time on. And so that's the idea here that maybe a lower on the, uh, an asset lower on the criticality scale that would never get a half day's worth of advanced analysis is, is open to you know 30 minutes of advanced analysis. And then you can catch things like this, which is soft foot on, on, on that and the foot's lifting up off the ground. And so um, in this case, again, broadening your coverage of your of your assets to be able to see um, and I'll zoom in there and you can actually see the lifting. Okay, let's talk about comprehensive scans again. Uh, this was a routine scan, but you know the idea of going through and just scanning and measuring all your assets could be daunting, you know, um, with other tools. But again, going back to that full fill vibration where you know you get this comprehensive scan over this entire set of of pumps here, and and they were able to capture this again on a routine scan, um, and so having that you know vast data collection that you can do at a pretty fast rate 
allows you to be able to go through and do, you know, scans, baselines, you know, um, looking over your assets and capturing this, of course, would be a challenge. So, you know, scanning and, and doing like, um, you know, measurements across large areas of the plant um, becomes a lot easier when you have, uh, you know, a camera as a as a data collection tool. And then finally, yep, continue time for a quick question. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, Iman asks, is it possible to use motion amplification remotely via video link or a pre-recorded video? So, so can you use it for remote condition monitoring? Yeah, so good, man, that is a perfect uh, segue into my next slide, which is continuous monitoring. So yes, you can, and you can do it remotely over a network. You can even do live motion amplification over a network. So if if you have the camera on an asset and you're and you're in your I, you know you're in your pajamas in your home if you wanted to but but you know more likely in a control room or into a monitoring room um, you press show me live off on the screen you'll see your asset and you'll see it moving right there in real time um, and you can measure too you can do measurements remotely all that kind of stuff and that's that's what on this case study is about you know this is one of those bump in the nights but we have people using it in you know in, on on critical assets 24/7 in um, I'll pause this in test cells to do to do it so it's remotely in another room um, this was a bump in the night where this this problem only occurred once every two weeks and it was a uh, the, the impeller the fan impeller was making contact with the casing but it only happened under certain load conditions um, and so they left what they did here is they just left it to trigger so you can set it up to where the camera itself will monitor that location in red and when the vibration levels get so high it will trigger um, and then they caught this and you can see it connected to the flow event where the flow was reduced um, over this event and so but what was important was they knew it was happening they could hear it but but they needed to be able to collect it and understand the context of it not just that there's a high vibration they already knew that because they're hearing it so they need to understand like when it happens you know what what's happening with the asset and how can we fix it um to be able to keep that from from happening um and so you know when it get it went into the state with the structure moving like this it allowed that condition to to, to kind of um to kind of come up so so now they can sort of figure out and get a handle on it and so but the the continuous monitoring can be you know ran remotely um it can send a video to the cloud and you get an email saying like here's a video of what it's doing right now because it triggered it can trigger off of accelerometers or any iep sensor um, it can trigger off of four to 20 milliamps so process or any anything for that matter um, it can do speed triggers so if you want to do ghost down startups so this continuous monitoring is really about you know not having to be there it it it, it collecting the data for you and having it all there ready for you or being able to remotely do the monitoring all that is all that's possible so you know one of the things that we we sort of get asked and i kind of wanted to kind of go through this about what's next or what, what we're doing and 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 i want to show some of the latest but also talk a little bit about you know what what you know how the technology is advanced because you know this is a new, a new tool and there's some pretty rapid advancement um with it and and you know we we talked about the idea that motion amplification was really the first thing that we launched um, just to can't just a video right and then soon after we added time waveform and frequency displacement where you can actually measure measure that um, we do have stabilization built in too where it will actually find the camera shake and remove that 
Um, so if you saw that little video there, so if the platform's moving, you can actually remove that camera shake and it, and it works really well. We spent a lot of research and on, on that, getting that uh, working, working well. We talked about frequency-based filtering, you know, in, in database, there's just a few that I want to show, but we often, um, we often get asked about multiple measurements too. And I, th this video does a really nice demonstration. You know, you really just have to be able to see it. As long as you can see it, you can measure it. And you can see the bad actors back there, the ones that are moving a lot, you know, they're far away. But you can measure multiple things with it. Um, the video editor, you can do full on video editing with it. It's all like plug and play, its own video editor if you want to, you know, make movies, add, and you can talk over it and like narrate a video and then send it to somebody for, for more effective communication. Um, shaft inspection, you know, um, again, I'm just kind of going through how the technology has evolved. Some of the newer capabilities, you can actually do like a stroboscopic effect, a strobe um, to be able to see a shaft while it rotates. Um, but you don't need a strobe, and you can do it over very large areas. And you can even measure the shaft, similar to a prox probe. Like you can make a measurement there and actually see um, see what the runout of that shaft is while it's operating without contact. Um, you can detect the speed, uh, measure the phase. We talked about this. With the transients, you can you know you can measure across the whole field of view. This is relatively new as well. Measure across the whole field of view, and and get the vibration of a moving object and a frequency spectrum of a moving object. You can do that fairly easily um, with a camera now, uh, and that's that's challenging you know. But since we can go down to DC, um, we can measure that. Um, uh, let's let's see. Let me there's a couple more in here I wanted to show uh, thermal growth. Um, which is the um, the ability to do it over long term. So this is actually a an oil pump that's heating up, and you can see that heat soak. It's not even started yet, and then you can see that jump over there right about now when when it starts up. But what you're actually seeing there is the thermal growth. You can measure thermal growth with the camera over. That's an hour and a half recording. You can do that for four hours or five hours or the whole day if you wanted. Um, and you can actually see the thermal growth too. You can see what's moving. So you can actually see that drop and, and you can see the see the motion there. So thermal growth. Um, and then, you know, the, the last thing I want to talk about is this new feature that's, it's, it's pretty brand new um, with, with, with um, tax synchronization. So um, we often get asked about, you know, the ability to do shaft dynamics, you know, while it's spinning. So I'm going to show this. This coupling is spinning. This is moving at like 30, 30 hertz, you know, like, uh, you know, 1800 RPM, right? Keep that in mind when you watch these videos. So integrating it with the tack allows you to take the synchronous motion out or the rotational component out, leaving behind the non-synchronous component. And you can actually see the twisting there, like the torsional motion in that shaft. That's spinning right now in this video at at full you know 1800 rpm so here's another view right you can see that twist a little bit better again moving fully at 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 um full full speed but it's not just shafts right here's a fan you can see the twisting in the blades again that fan is spinning at full rotation rate And here's a drone. I like this one. It's kind of interesting. That's a drone with normal motion amplification. We're not using tack sync mode, um, a laser tack integrate. But we're gonna we're gonna focus on this one blade up here in the upper left. 
and you can actually see and filter for the modes of vibration in that blade. And then here's, there it is again, right? That's spinning just like all the other ones. We can, we could do that. But here's something more like, a, I think more like a industrial kind of um, setting. This is a tire um, coupling, right? That's normal footage. Here's the tack sink with motion amplified. You can see the thrusting on the pump side. That's spinning at 49 Hertz, but you can actually measure shaft dynamics with the camera as well, which is really exciting. We've seen some really crazy stuff with this and it's, it's uh, people are finding it very useful. Okay, that was my last example. I did, you know, I can happy to take questions and um, I've got my contact information up here. Um, you can reach me there. Feel free to reach out directly. I love, you know, I love talking about this, obviously, and love to talk to you about it. We've got a YouTube page and there's my LinkedIn if you want to connect with me. Thanks so much, Jeff. That was a great presentation. Uh, we do have a number of questions here. I'll try to get through some of them in the remaining time we have here. Um, a number of the questions revolve around the camera itself. And uh, there, I'll just go through a couple of those. Um, one asks, how does the camera perform in windy conditions or in locations where the floor is vibrating? Yeah, so both both of those are um, both of those are um, kind of where your stabilization would come in. One's a little different than the other. Um, in a floor vibration, generally, that's lots of times that's frequency based, and so you, you can actually I show how you can filter the video for specific frequencies. You can also filter out frequency. So if there's a floor vibration that is at a frequency, you can eliminate it um, that way. But but also the stabilization is not frequency based. It's just camera motion based. So it doesn't matter if it, like, for example, wind happens at low frequency, but it's kind of broadband. So, but it's gonna remove just the motion of the camera. So both cases, I would apply stabilization to it and you can eliminate that motion. And do you need to calibrate the camera? Was another question. Yeah, so you calibrate it by uh, the distance to the object, which you can use a laser rangefinder with. So you simply input that in the software and then you're done. It's calibrated and then you don't do anything else. Great. And then uh, how does the camera sense motion in the direction of focus of the camera? In other words, do I need to take images in three orthogonal, orthogonal directions? Yeah, good, good question. Um, so um, the camera senses up and down or right and left as viewed from the camera. So it doesn't, it does not measure to and from the camera. So if I were, for example, to be perpendicular to a shaft, I would be measuring vertical and axial motion with respect to the traditional vibration axes. And then you can move the camera 90 degrees and then um, looking parallel to the shaft. In that case, you would be measuring vertical and horizontal motion. Um, so that's so moving the camera, the seat moving the camera is an easy way to do it. And that's most people work that way with the Iris M, the troubleshooting kind of camera, um, especially when you're in a steady state. The CM can do two cameras um, and they are synchronized. So you can look at it from two views simultaneously. The continuous monitoring, like the that sort of industrial PC, that comes with two cameras that you can look at. Um, and they're both they both feed back to the same and they're synchronized. 
Okay. Good question. Uh, this this next question asks: uh, Is the camera rated for hazardous environments? And if not, are there plans to offer this option in the future? Yeah, so it's not rated for hazardous environments. Um, most people get hot work permits to put it in. Um, the um, the the are there are enclosures for, but but not uh, explosion proof. I mean, there are explosion proof enclosures out there for cameras, but it's a little bit more complicated than just putting a camera in there because the the wiring and things like that. But um, but but we do have um, sort of IP rating, but but not hazardous locations. And again, you know. We have a lot of people using the camera in hazardous locations, uh, and so people usually get a hot work permit for that. Great. Uh, will the camera give us any information related with bearing condition? Uh, good question. No, not not really in the traditional sense. I mean, bearing um, detection is is pretty high frequency, and um, that's where you know I, you know I say that this is not replacing. Tools. This is not a bearing defect detector, you know, at those ultra high frequencies and, and seeing those stress waves and things like that. Um, so um, you'll still use your accelerometers at, at, at that kind of area, high frequency. There's very low displacement, but very high acceleration. That's where your accelerometers come in. And, and so that, but what I would say about this is we have with the taxing, we have been able to see a lot of motion at bearing locations and see like in the clearance that is actually resulting in damage to the bearing. So there are some things with the technology that you can do to preserve your assets with bearing life. It's not detecting those bearing faults once they occur, but there are a lot of use cases for detecting things that are causing those, those bearing defects and issues like the, the, the bearings bearing moving sort of in the housing with the, um, in you know different different rotational patterns okay uh this next one is a comment that says uh nice camera but the software rocks oh thanks uh, and then that. uh we've got just a minute or so left here so a, a number of these questions uh do ask about the video itself and i will say yep the video will be available after the webinar we can send around that link and uh, if you have any additional questions, you can feel free to reach out to Jeff, as he said, with his contact information here. And uh, Jeff, do you have any other final comments in our last minute here? No, I just want to thank um, thank thank you, Eric, and thank Fluke for for having me here. And I appreciate everybody taking the time to to watch. I know your time is valuable, so thank you. Great, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And uh, be sure to check out our next webinar. Thank you. <laughs>